somewhere I left a light on digging through the house of ancient memory Somewhere the pink perfume of someone else's hair And I could see you standing there Standing in your parents' house Just your mother's girl in a morning tub with your matted curls My teenaged hands on your soapy skin Fingers in the leather I swore to myself that I'd always remember Remember everything Somewhere I left a light on thick behind the door But we bury this way Carry on in ghosts I try To keep these moments Squirrel them away I tried a thousand ways I thought a thousand times Of stolen wine In backyard tents And my brother's songs on old cassettes I made it up as I got it wrong I was hoping you'd help me along With the life of love That lay ahead But it was only you In a childhood bed And I named your breasts Stamped your skin, counted moles like I was saving ten Just a battle time in my lazy head That I thought would not surrender I swore to myself that I'd always remember Remember everything That's Vancouver singer-songwriter, actor, and member of folk collective The Fugitives, Adrian Glynn, with Acting My Age from his latest solo album, Ghostlight Sessions, a homemade album of acoustic tunes recorded by Ghostlight on an empty theatre stage in Kamloops, BC, at the start of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, and it's now available for digital download on Bandcamp. To learn more about the new album, we're pleased to welcome... Adrian Glynn to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to have you join us today. It's great to be here. It's a beautiful day in Vancouver. So your life must really have been turned upside down when you were in, I think, rehearsals in Kamloops and then suddenly everything had to shut down? Yeah, we were literally on day one of rehearsal um, of a, a show called Chelsea Hotel, The Songs of Leonard Cohen, which is a show we... We created here in Vancouver back in 2012, and it's been all over the country, and it hadn't been done in a couple of years, so we were about to start a new run at the Western Canada Theatre in Kamloops. And then COVID happened, of course, 
And so, yeah, day one, we're halfway through rehearsal and the artistic director had to come in and he was quite emotional and basically said, yep, guys, we can't, we can't do it. So what happened is, you know, we were mostly Vancouver actors being put up in Kamloops. So a lot of us had, you know, had rented out our homes or, you know, didn't have anywhere to go back to. So the theater was very generous. They, they let us stay in our accommodations. They, um, they paid our full contracts out. And so we were just ended up being kind of there in Kamloops. And so I ended up getting the key off the artistic director to the theater and ended up just making an album there on the stage with, with the time I had, which, uh, you know, was, was one way to, to pass the COVID times. Now, these were songs that I think you'd written and had been sitting, waiting to see whether they would appear on another solo album or perhaps a Fugitives album. Is that how things were? Yeah, so... In some cases, I think the oldest song on the record is probably about 10 years old, but they're all just acoustic songs. Like I've made uh, three solo records now um, with varying degrees of, of production. And I've never, well, certainly not since my very first days as a singer-songwriter, have I made a record that was just very stripped down, kind of just me and the guitar. And, and this seemed like a really good opportunity to do that. So these songs all really lent themselves well to just being carried by you know one guitar and one voice with maybe a couple little bells and whistles added here and there it's it's pretty remarkable because it does have that feel you know when you know the story of the fact that you know you were on stage and a you know getting ready to you know to put on a, a full production that all got shut down you had access to the studio and then you know the the idea of the ghost light which i think is the light that remains on in the theater after everyone yeah. leaves yeah exactly so a ghost light is it, if you picture like a, a tall, skinny, just pole with a light bulb on top that sits on a stand. That's basically a ghost light. And so any theater, you know, the the stage manager will leave this light on the middle of the stage, and it's to keep people from, you know, at the end of the night tripping over cables or whatever. So there's always like a light source. But there's a there's a long superstition attached to it, which is that um, theaters are generally haunted by mischievous ghosts. So the ghost light is also to kind of uh, to to light the space to keep them from getting up to mischief. So it was quite a striking image when I started to think about it that, you know, our theater had shut down and and certainly theaters around the world all shut down. And it was amazing to just think of all these little ghost lights and all these theaters across the world with empty seats and it, it just kind of gave me chills to think about that and and that certainly is how it felt to make the record in that space with you know like 900 empty seats out there and just kind of singing into this sort of abyss it was kind of strange and and kind of amazing you give me goosebumps you know when you were saying that mm -hmm. because the album has a really intimate feel i mean it it is it's stripped down in such a beautiful way there is a remarkable feel to this, and it's interesting. You know, you said, well, you know, I'm just going to put this out on Bandcamp. I'm not going to make any, you know, vinyl or CD versions of this album. But it does feel very special at the same time. I wonder if that is how you feel about it. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, as I say, it was, it was kind of, I mean, that was a profound, well, we're living in a profound time still, aren't we? But in those early weeks when when everything was so confusing, we didn't know what was going on. This, this was, I mean, this was solace to me. I feel so grateful that I was even able to do this because, you know, my, my girlfriend who's also in the Chelsea hotel show, her name's Marlene Guinader and she lives uh, sort of between Vancouver and New York. So she had just 
she had just arrived from New York, kind of just got out of there right before things got really bad. And so we'd be, you know, uh, working on whatever projects all day. And then we'd come back to our room at night and check in with the news and, you know, see that things in New York were horrible. And, and so it just, it just felt like to have something to focus on that, you know, that was very personal, very quiet and very safe. Um, and also a creative expression just, just felt really, uh, yeah, like soulless. It was not soulless, soulless. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was special. Yeah. So tell us about that first song, "Acting My Age." That's a, a beautiful song. I think it's the first song actually on the album. Yeah, that kicks off the record. Uh, so, so that's one of the older ones. That song's got to go back about seven or eight years, I would say. And yeah, it just never. And the records I'd made since then, uh, I always liked the song. It just never fit with the aesthetic of the other records that I made. So, I, I, but I'd always wanted to put it on on some record. So that song is about. Uh, so I, I think a lot of people have this. I have a very strong connection between my my sense of smell and my memory. And uh, you know, and I I realized this many years ago. And so I started doing this silly thing where I, if I went traveling to another country that you know that I knew was going to be kind of like a a life experience, I would buy a deodorant in that country and use it uh, for those few weeks of travel. And then I'd bring it home and then I put it in a box, uh, never to be smelled again until some some day in the future when I'll. Go, it's like a photo album of of sense i guess and it'll be it'll be interesting to see what memories get conjured up uh when i smell those but so yeah so all i have to say is that i i link memory to smell very closely um and uh and so i yeah i had this experience a few years ago where there was this shampoo that my very first love when i was about 15 years old used to use and i never knew anyone else that used this shampoo so i'm standing in line in a london drugs and some woman walks by and and i smelt that scent that I, and I had not smelt that scent since I was 15, and it just immediately just brought back these vivid images from that time in my life. And I was like, "Oh, that's so strange." And so, yeah. So the song ends up being about about that time and about you know the things we we say when with to our first love, you know, that we'll be together forever and all this kind of stuff. And that's why it's called "Acting My Age." I remember my dad even like telling me, this is your first love, you know, you, you, you'll have lots in your life. And me being so offended and being like, no, this is the love of my life. You don't understand. Um, so it's kind of about all that. Now, there's nine tracks on the album. I'm curious as to how many other tracks you considered before you pulled these together. Not that many. Because I was up in Kamloops, I didn't have, you know, all the instruments I, I usually have kicking around. I just had an acoustic guitar there's certainly a few piano tunes i could have included um because I, I write a little bit on the piano as well but uh and there was a piano there actually but i i thought you know what i like the idea of just setting up one microphone and uh singing and playing you know simultaneously like not overdubbing the vocals just capturing a live performance so yeah i i think there's only one song that i cut like i had one that you know, once I started listening back, it just didn't quite fit with the others as well. So, but yeah, so, so what made the album is, is just about what I recorded, except for one. You know, and it has that, that feel, it very much has that feel of the, you know, Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska, you know, that, that just really uh, spare feel to it. I, I think it's a beautiful album and I certainly want to encourage as many of our listeners as possible to check it out. 
Now, I want to go back to the album and play another song. We're going to play Hammer because this is a, uh, it's a, a take on If I Had a Hammer, but with different lyrics. And, and I, I think it does speak to a certain type of activism that definitely exists in the social media age, which is the, the sitting in your armchair and saying, yay, uh, every time yeah. somebody does something. But can you tell us a little bit more about this song? Yeah, so I wrote this one a little over a year ago. I had started doing a, a program, which has now become pretty well known since this, um, since the Black Lives Matter recent um, uprising or whatever we want to call that. Um, it's a program called Me and White Supremacy. And so when I heard about this, you know, I, I at this point just thought white supremacy only meant, you know, like the Ku Klux Klan and stuff like that. It's a book now. It started off as uh, as like an Instagram challenge from uh, the woman that created it, Layla F. Saad, just to her followers as a, a, a daily journaling exercise, basically uh, to look at your own intrinsic prejudices as as white people and white passing people and, and journal about them. And she had found that it was such, it had such a profound effect on all the people that engaged in it that she made it a public sort of like, like book kind of course thing. And so, so I started doing this and yeah, it was truly, truly amazing. I've always been, I think, you know, like probably a lot of us white Canadians would describe ourselves as pretty, pretty liberal, pretty open-minded, but the fact remains we have our, our privileges and we have our ingrained prejudices, whether we care to admit it or not. And so this was very eye-opening to me and uh, the beginning of a, of a great education. And so this song came out of that. Um, and it's, yes, yeah, sort of a satirical, a satirical look at, um, yeah, slacktivism and, uh, uh, and that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, I should also mention, it's not meant to, uh, like, I, I think Pete Seeger is incredible. So it's not meant to be like, uh, you know, saying anything bad about him at all. It's just kind of, I took that song and kind of ran with it. It's a great song. Let's listen to it just now. This is Adrian Glynn with Hammer from his wonderful new album, Ghostlight Sessions. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. If I had a hammer, I'd keep it in the closet. I'd keep it in the ether with my thoughts and my prayers. I'd read about the marches. Like I'm on Facebook I'd keep my hands clean I'd keep my hands fair If I had a bell I'd leave it on the mantle I'd stuff it with velvet And shine up the brass I'd have my friends over Talk about TV Hey, what's with the bell? Nobody asks Cause I am a white man And I choose my causes And then in the evening I go home to my bed And I dream about danger I dream about warning Wake up in the morning With a clear head If I had a history I'd keep it in the basement I 
keep it in the schoolyard Buried under a tree And I'd write a new story And put it in a movie Make a little money Cause life ain't free Yeah, I am a white man And I choose my causes And then in the evening I go home to my bed And I dream about danger I dream about warning Wake up in the morning With a clear head That's Adrian Glynn with Hammer from his new album. It's entitled Ghostlike Sessions. This album has a wonderful backstory because it was recorded on stage under a ghost light in a deserted theater at the start of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. I'm so pleased that Adrian Glynn is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio chatting about the album. Now, as well as being a singer-songwriter, he is also an actor and actually... Uh, one of his movies, a psychological thriller entitled Volition, uh, I think is still out there now, isn't it, Adrian? It actually just came out to the public on Friday. Right. We're in the COVID-19 pandemic, and how how can people actually watch this? It's it's on video on demand now, so um, it's it, it's available as a rental on video on demand. So through all like all the big platforms, Amazon's video on demand, Google Play, Apple TV, and then a lot of smaller ones like Fandango and stuff like that. It had had quite a long life in the festival circuit. Um, it was went all over the world in the past year and a half um, to various festivals and and won quite a lot of awards. It's had a really great life so far. Um, but yeah, we're Super excited that it's like, finally, I can tell my friends, okay, you can go watch it. Um, it's finally public, which is great. And I think this movie was produced by the the Smith Brothers, is that right? Yeah, the Smith Brothers, who are old friends of mine, actually. Uh, I went to high school with both of them. Yeah, And we should mention that you actually picked up a Best Actor Award uh, as well for this, I think, at the Italy's Ostia Festival, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, which was a great honor. And yeah, there's been couple nominations here and there and uh and yeah and the films the films won a ton of awards just jeff in every department everyone really worked really hard on this it's it was a big passion project 
Um, and it turned out, yeah, better than we could have ever imagined. So let's talk about the acting side of your career because you appeared in the Once, which is the that was the wonderful Glenn Hansard movie, and I think you actually shared the stage with him. I think a while ago, didn't you? Was a an opening act? Yeah, then. yeah, and more fun than I, I did a show with Glenn in New York, kind of like a charity fundraiser. And this was years ago. This was like twenty twenty twelve, and we ended up. I like this story actually. We so that charity show was fine. Then we ended up in a uh, like a snug, like a pub uh, somewhere in the Lower East Side after hours. And so he had a friend. He kept it open, and it was just like five of us in there or something. And uh, and Glenn and I were were getting to know each other. I didn't know him. We were just having drinks, and we were talking about music. And I asked him if he'd ever heard of Stan Rogers, and he said that no, he hadn't. Um, and so I I started trying to explain the song Northwest Passage to him because I love that song and uh and you know I'm trying to explain how important it is to like like Canada and all this stuff and uh I don't think I can swear on this show so I'll censor myself but he said just effing sing it and so he quiets everybody down in acapella I just you know I sing the song and he's like oh that's great that's great so then he proceeds to to be like okay it's my turn so then he sings the old triangle and and uh and and there's an Irish thing where like They'll often, you know, look in your eyes as they sing these songs. So Glenn Hansen right. was like singing the old triangle, like looking in my eyes and like, this is crazy. And and then I sang an acapella song of mine and then he sang one of his. And oh, man, it was it was an incredible night. Yeah. So that was before you appeared in the stage version in Vancouver? Yeah, that was, God, six years before. Yeah, it kind of felt like full circle when I finally ended up doing that show and singing all those amazing songs. Because you played the same part, right? The yeah, I played, yeah, yeah, I played the lead guy, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And then since then, obviously, you were supposed to be in the Chelsea Hotel, getting it coming back, the, the songs of yeah. Lennon Cohen in Kamloops. How did the acting and the songwriting fit together? I mean, do you think, do you consider yourself a singer-songwriter who acts or an actor who is also a singer-songwriter? Uh, I would say the former. I think... It's pretty pretty balanced in terms of my my time between the two things, but I, I feel like I'm a musician first, and and I feel like under the umbrella of musician, I feel like I'm a songwriter first, and I always feel very very fortunate that I, you know, kind of get to do these different things because there's a lot of great things about acting, but there isn't a ton of creative control. Uh, you know, you're generally told you know, what to say, where to stand. And of course, the the exact opposite of, is true of being a singer-songwriter. You write the songs and you sing them. Having that kind of creative control and that kind of creative outlet is is so important for me. So yeah, and you know, and anytime that acting is slow, it's like, all right, well, I guess I'll write some songs. I guess I'll sit on a stage and make an album, you know. I want to step back to the album and play another track. We thought we should play uh, your ode to slide guitar guru, Kelly Joe Phelps, uh, who is not really playing anymore, I don't think. Uh, the song's entitled, Kelly Joe, I Heard You Sold Your Last Guitar. Uh, I don't think he's played since 2014, if I'm right. But tell us a little bit about this song. Yeah, Kelly Joe, um, he's he's just one of my all-time heroes. And not just as a player. If, if you've ever heard him play the lap steel uh you know the artistry that he brings to that or even just his finger picking guitar style uh you know he came from a jazz background and so it was always interesting to listen to him musically because he had this vast knowledge of music and then he would apply it to a relatively simple musical idiom like like country blues 
but he was an improviser. And so to listen to him play, he's, he's filling up the space with so many interesting musical ideas within this relatively simple framework. And then as a singer, just beautiful gravelly voice as a lyricist, he was almost like, like mosaics. He'd create these, these piecemeal images. And I saw him at the Vancouver Folk Fest for the first time back in like 03 and just became a huge fan. I would drive wherever to see him, even even became almost, I wouldn't say friends, but, but you know, I was starting out and I would sometimes write emails to him. I'd send him early songs and he was very gracious. He would respond and even give me tips and stuff. And then a few years ago when the, the folk collective I'm part of, the Fugitives, we went to Germany for the first time and we played in one of these folk clubs and I saw Kelly Joe's poster on the wall. So I asked the 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 owner, uh, oh, you guys had Kelly Joe here. And his face kind of got, you know, uh, kind of got serious. And he said, well, no, actually, um, that tour didn't happen. And uh, we're not sure. You know, we're not sure what happened with Kelly Joe. We think we think something like might be wrong. And and so I was like, yeah, pretty stunned and and then did some research and realized that yeah, he hadn't played in quite a while. And I and I never really solved that until a year and a half ago I was at the uh the Canadian Folk Music Awards and I was sitting at the same table as uh, Steve Dawson who's, you know, another great great pedal steel and lap steel player. And I don't know Steve that well, but uh but I know that he knows Kelly Joe quite well because they've made records together and I was like I got to ask him. And so I I worked up the courage and I asked him if, if he, you know, knew what was up with Kelly Joe. And yeah, he said, you know, he, he hadn't talked to him in a little while, but seemed like he was was doing okay. He wasn't playing a ton of music anymore. He was kind of thinking about doing something else with his life for a while, like maybe becoming a forest ranger. And, and I was like, really, he's not, he's not playing anymore. And he's like, well, it seemed like he was maybe going to do some more, but then I just saw on, on the, um, one of these guitar vendor sites that uh, that he'd sold his last guitar. So that and uh, man, I got goosebumps and I was like, I can't believe that. Uh, so yeah, I went home that night and wrote this song and uh, and I actually sent it to Steve Dawson recently and and he said, you know, the next time he speaks to Kelly Joe, he'll share it with him. But um, as for right now, it seems like the music has stopped. But I can only hope that that it'll return at some point. It's a great song and a real, really nice tribute to him. This is Adrian Glynn with Kelly Joe, I Heard You Sold Your Last Guitar. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. Kelly Joe, I heard you sold your last guitar, somebody told Man, we were wondering where you are And I remembered in the cold When I slept in my father's car After driving seven hours To see you play the dreaming bar It was years ago A song I wrote I was praying that you'd like it There was space around your words And you were kind in your reply You said you sing it like a ringer And your imagery is fine That made me smile 
carry to Don't let it go Your perfect sound is a radio I've carried with me When I'm down with Vince Van Gogh I've sold his brushes If he'd got Got a new idea to get your boots, get your cap, and be a ranger in the trees. Well, that doesn't seem a stretch. Guess it's no surprise to me. And I think it's a relief just to know you have a dream. You have a dream. Curly Joe, don't let it go. Your perfect sound is a radio I've carried with me when I'm down with Vince Van Gogh I've sold his brushes if he'd got old Does genius demand a ransom Higher as years go by And does doubt come through the cracks If genius isn't recognized and I know it's not my business But I wish you'd compromise Kelly Joe I heard you sold your last guitar that's Adrian Glenn with Kelly Joe. I heard you sold your last guitar. It's from his new album. It's entitled Ghostlight Sessions. Now it's available as a digital download on Bandcamp. 25% of the proceeds from the album will go to the NAACP and other COVID-related charities. Uh, Adrian Glynn's our special guest on Fog Roots Radio. We've been having a wonderful chat about his music and his acting because he's a great actor as well. And also check out Volition, his sci-fi psychological thriller uh, which is available on demand because movies have changed since COVID-19 and pretty much they're all going online almost immediately. Adrian, I wanted to ask you about what happens now. I mean, you know, you were on stage in Kamloops, everything suddenly stopped. I imagine once things start up again, you'll be back to acting. I mean, is there plans to bring that production straight back or is that is that done for a while there in Kamloops everything's up in the air right now uh with theater I would have had yeah a couple different theater contracts next year which are sort of in a holding pattern because you know we just we just don't know what gatherings are going to look like and same goes for touring the the fugitives my folk band was set to be over in Germany in October, and we've just just last week had to finally pull the plug on the tour because it's it's just not certain enough like what's you know what's going to happen. So all live stuff is just kind of in a holding pattern for now, and so the focus is more on trying to write, trying to record, and uh, and we'll see with the film TV business that looks like it's slowly starting to open with a bunch of new rules. So so that might be somewhere that work starts to happen. But yeah, it's a very, very uncertain time. I mean, it is for everybody, but, but certainly in the live, live performance sector, it's very, very uncertain. And as far as the fugitives are concerned, you know, I, I've always loved the concept of the fugitives because I love the idea that you're a folk collective. I mean, that's 
basically you and Brendan McLeod that, you know, kind of are the leaders of it. But, you know, since the early days, it was, I always loved the idea that it was Brendan and Adrian plus whoever, you know, joined them from the Vancouver arts community. Are we going to hear new music from the Fugitives in the next year or so? I know there was 2018 was the Promise of Strangers, which came out in Borealis. Uh, did very well. Yeah. Very well received. Yeah, uh, we we just actually recorded a record uh, last month and just mixed it. That's a, an album of kind of war songs, and I'll explain that. But we we are also planning to make a new album of original, like completely original music uh, in the fall. So there's lots of stuff happening. But so so this war uh, album it, this stems from so Brennan McLeod, my my cohort in the Fugitives, is a he's a slam poet, he's a storyteller. And his new theatrical show was going to be all about war, uh, how we how we remember, sort of what's wrong with how we remember our veterans, and how we how we glorify war, which is sort of a, almost like disrespectful to their memory. And I won't go too far into this because there's a lot to dig into there. But musically, the idea was, if we're trying to to kind of change how we remember we should look at that from a musical standpoint, which would be, well, there's all these amazing old uh, trench songs and poems that don't uh, land as well now because they sound old fashioned. And so we thought, what if we take these, these old lyrics and give them new melodies, give them, uh, you know, new instrumentation. And so basically write, write new music for these songs. And so that's what this album we just made. It's called, it's called trench songs. And, so it's all these old war poems set to new music in a very kind of fugitive style. And uh, yeah, we hope it'll kind of breathe new life into these memories. Am I thinking trench songs will probably come out around Remembrance Day? Yeah, that'd be a good guess. But honestly, we don't know yet. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Because it may also be tailored to whenever we can do this this show of Brendan's. But uh, So I'll put a pin in that for now because I'm not sure. Yeah. And then the other album, tell us a little about that. Well, that one we don't know yet. We the we got to write that one. <laughs> we got a lot of writing to do. So yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know what that's going to look like yet. Brandon and I will just have to get to work. Well, you know, it's it's I mean, from my point of view in radio, you know, it it's sad that everybody isn't able to get out there and perform. The only thing I notice is I am just getting great songs sent to me almost every day. Uh, you know, like your album. It's like, hey, you know, I I put up this album, Ghostlight sessions i you know just did it myself in an empty theater because you know i can't work and it's just so exciting i i have to say so i'm i'm you know i'm all for encouraging people to to get out and create wonderful music at the same time as hopefully you can get out there and perform very shortly it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today remember if you want to learn more about adrian glynn go to adrianglynn.com there's all the links for his music and acting the album Ghostlight Sessions is on Bandcamp, and as I mentioned before, 25% goes to the NAACP and uh, COVID-related charities. So, and Bandcamp has been doing great things. You know, they have been uh, waiving their fees once a month to encourage people to go there. And actually, as a platform for music delivery, I think it's actually really coming into its own just now. So definitely check that out. Adrian, we have one song left to play, and I think it's going to be Talking Suicidal Depression Blues. 
which I love because it's kind of a fun, serious song. And I actually think it's a bit like a COVID tune, although it was never intended to be a COVID tune. But I know a lot of people's mental health, and I'm going to put my own in that category, has been challenged during these times of lockdown. But tell us a little bit about this song. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. So it wasn't written. It was written uh, sometime last year. Well, first of all, I've always wanted to write a talking blues. I'm a big fan. Like Dan Byrne is another one of my songwriting heroes. I love Todd Snyder. And then, of course, you know, go back to Dylan and Guthrie and, and further. Um, so I'd always wanted to, to try my hand at writing one. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I suffer from some mental health stuff that goes up and down. And uh, I wanted to make light of it, you know, because sometimes it can feel – so uh heavy and so serious and a talk in blue seemed like a great format in which to yeah make make fun of these what can feel like the most serious emotions and the most heavy feelings in the world and and uh yeah i almost wanted to talk back to them so that's kind of the intention of the song and yeah i know what you mean i think this is this is a really really difficult time for for people who are feeling trapped in homes and and things like that so hopefully this offers a little a little levity and people can relate to it a little bit (laughs) it's a great song with some great lyrics and i want to encourage everybody to sit back and take a listen this is adrian glenn with talking suicidal depression blues from his great new album ghost light sessions you're listening to folk roots radio and i'm jan hall and adrian thanks for spending the time to talk to us today my absolute pleasure jan that was really really nice thank you Talking suicidal depression blues. Well, I woke up bright and early today. Then I woke up again a little less early. Then I woke up again not quite so bright. And finally I said, okay, I better get this show on the road. So I put on my pants. And I put on my shirt. Then I glanced at the clock It was getting late so I went back to bed Got to bed early though Some people have sad running in their veins It's a default setting we were wired that way But you can't send back to the factory Unless you have a warranty So I wrote to my folks asking if mine was still good I waited a while for a response And finally I heard back from them They yelled down, move the hell out of our basement Please You start to think about suicide What it be like if you up and died How many people show up on your funeral day What kind of speeches your friends would make Of course I suppose you could find out these same things If you just uh, Up and got married Mm. Maybe stick with the first plan Suicide Well, I wake up in the night with voices in my head Still they're talking when I go back to bed Voices when I write, voices when I play Voices follow me out on stage Never heard so many voices 
So I started talking back to him. I said, uh, you don't deserve to be here. You don't control me. You can't control my mind because you're lonely. Nobody loves you. Nobody wants you. Nobody cares about you. You're wasting your time. You don't have any friends. Everything you do is worthless. You're worthless. You'll die a worthless piece of worthless crap that nobody loves or cares about because you're worthless. Yeah, it didn't work. They're still there. I just gave them some new ideas. Bright and early again This time I did it I got out of bed Got out of the house Made it to the gym Patted my back And called it a win Then I overheard some guy say Well Tomorrow's another day I slapped him Everyone is sad about being sad Nothing is good, everything's bad But you know what they say It's good to have something to look forward to I can't wait to hear what they say at my funeral Or wedding Being sad, nothing is good, everything is bad. Well, I'm sad, and you were sad, and your friends are sad, and your family's sad. Everyone is sad about being sad, nothing is good, and everything.